With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I feel like a locomotive sipping, drinking Arizona. Mixtape just around the corner. Did a lot in California. Can't wait to drop this on you. Yeah, they gon' have fun with that. Smash like Songum and my songs gon' break through like a running back. Hello and welcome to a very special midweek edition of the Scenaria F1 podcast. My name is Mark Hamilton. Not joining me today, my friend, my neighbor, my enemy, my op, whatever you want to call him. Mr. Daly's not here, but that's good news because I have one of my best Formula One friends in the entire world here. Joining me right now is Mr. Magnus from the Race Weekend Magazine. Of course, founder, publisher, creative visionary, all of those amazing things. Magnus, how the heck are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. I've had an amazing couple of days in Las Vegas. I've been looking forward to catching up with you. I'm just processing everything that happened and and more importantly, everything going forward for that race. So I'm I'm excited. So before we jump into Vegas, and you're the first person that I've had the opportunity to speak to that was physically there on the ground, maybe a quick reminder for our audience about who you are and give a little bit of background on Race Weekend, your phenomenal F1 product. Thank you. So Race Weekend is a magazine where we focus on the circuits, cities, and culture of Formula One. So it's a we call it a magazine, but it's really more than a magazine. It's much bigger. It's 15 inches by 10 inches. It's full of amazing uh, photographs and design and editorial. We have each issue focus on a particular aspect of Formula One. So Formula One in the 1970s or Formula One in the USA. There's no ads. It's more like a more like a book than a traditional magazine. Uh, and then we get these great opportunities to do... Uh, products with uh, on behalf of of other brands inside of Formula One, so uh, it's it's a different take on F one, and it goes deeper. We don't talk about who won the race or you know the technology. That's that's for other people, and we all know who won the race anyway. So we our our thing is circuits, cities, and culture of Formula One. And I can speak very candidly that I subscribe and I hand over my credit card every time there's a new collection, and I relish every single episode. And the cool thing is, and we're going to get there in a couple of minutes ago or a couple of minutes, but I got a very cool episode in the post last week, which I'm still still. It's drooling all over because it's beautiful. But my friend, you you said that you were in Vegas. How was it? So right away, one, how was the temperature? And two, recap the experience. Was it everything that you expected Las Vegas to be from a Formula One perspective? So as you know, I've been working with Wynn Resorts for the last year, helping them with their overall Grand Prix program. So I've been down there a lot and I pay particularly close attention to the perception and the development of the Las Vegas Grand Prix. And it the narrative around it has been universally negative in the lead up to it. Um, you know, and some of that's been deserved because of the crazy ticket prices and different things. 
so as much as I've been excited for it, I've also been kind of nervous just to see how it would pan out. I've never seen a narrative turn in such a extreme way and so quickly that leaving the race, uh, leaving Las Vegas, everybody that was there was speaking about it in, in glowing terms. You had a great time at the circuit. It was actually a really good race. And the entertainment and offering outside of the race and how accessible that was was just on a whole other level. So being there was fantastic. And then to hear people that watch it on TV enjoy it as one of the best races of the year. And even even the cynical British F1 media had to uh, admit uh, that actually it turned out pretty good and that it, it, it points to a pretty exciting direction for Formula One. Magnus, you're very much right about the fact that the media and content creators were painting a very specific narrative going into the weekend, and that was really only inflamed after free practice one and the fallout from free practice two. And I was totally on that bandwagon that I was I was actively looking for things to be negative about, in part because I wasn't there to relish the experience, but also just because the season's been it hasn't been great from a championship competitiveness perspective, and we wanted something juicy to talk about, but you're right, by the time the Grand Prix was over on Saturday night. I'm never going to get used to saying that. But by the time the Grand Prix was over on Saturday night, and we had a host of people over at my place, people were glowing about the experience. And that's from thousands of miles away. That's not being there. My friends, you've been to so many Grand Prix. You've had the privilege, the pleasure to travel the world. How does this stack up to other Grand Prix? Is there anything you can compare it to or was it truly unique? We call ourselves Race Weekend because we love the concept of a race weekend, right? Traveling to a destination, you have a couple hours of racing, but then you have even more time away from the circuit. And there's certain things that we feel are, are sort of key ingredients to, to a great race weekend. First and foremost is a great race on the track. That goes without saying. But one thing that we find is the distance between the circuit and the best neighborhood in the city often determines a lot of the experience you're going to have. So if you have to go through mud to get to your car, drive an hour, get to the city, and then the F1 atmosphere is gone, that takes away from your your race weekend experience. With Las Vegas, much like Singapore... It's right in the city, in the best part of the city. I mean, it literally goes down the Las Vegas Strip, which is what the whole city is built around. The fact that it happens at night means that when it's over, you're rolling into casinos, into bars, into restaurants, into clubs. There's no downtime in terms of your your overall experience. And then the third thing that we look for is the sort of unique X factor. What is it contributing that's, that, that you can't get at a different race? I mean, come on. It's it's. Las Vegas going down the strip. And and I have never seen, like when we went to Miami in the inaugural year, I've never seen so many brands get involved and teams get involved with activations. Las Vegas was that on a whole other level. Everywhere you went, there was a, a party, an event, a merch collaboration, a launch. There was a golf tournament. There was the auction. There was the uh, advanced screening of the Ferrari movie. There was, I mean, it was just so many different things to do. And and for a Formula One fan, it was great. And, you know, I, I anticipate if they build on this, that next year you're going to have a ton of people going just to be fans. Who cares about the tickets? 
because you can you can take in the F1 atmosphere and all the activations, and it's the one place where they actually allow you to do proper watch parties. Because Formula One is really against people doing watch parties, right? They feel it takes away from their money somehow. But there, they sanctioned all these different watch parties. So people were, were you know, hotels were hosting these with the cars. You can still kind of see them outside. And and so the overall atmosphere was just like, honestly, nothing I've ever seen. You make an interesting comparison between Vegas and another circuit. And when you said when you walk from the track through mud to get to your car to drive an hour to an entertainment source. Like for me, that's Silverstone right away. That's Silverstone. Like you're, you're parked in a muddy field. You're going to be stuck for two hours trying to get onto a thin, narrow country road to get into the, the motorway. But the contrast to me is somewhere like Yas, where you step off the track and you're immediately next to a gigantic mall and Ferrari world and the nightclubs and the hotels and the restaurants and the bars. And you're right that from a weekend perspective, it's all pretty compact and contained within walking distance in Vegas, right? It is. And I think, and I, I love Yas Marina. I think, I think that setting is, is unbelievable. And there's, there's definitely things to do, but the things that you mentioned, like the, the, the mall and some of the other activities are there. They don't continue the F1 atmosphere and flavor as much. Great point. Great point. Great but point. But in Las Vegas, ev- like all of these casinos were partners to the Grand Prix. And so, and all of the teams and all of the brands went to those locations to set up activations and release their collaborations and whatnot. So, you know, I was kind of mapping it out earlier and I, 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 you know, Monaco has always been the sort of the race, right? In in people's minds, the experience of it is, is different, but that's always been the one. When Abu Dhabi came on the scene, that became the race because of that incredible infrastructure, all the money, you know, it was just, it was a bit of an unknown and it's an exotic location. The next one to take that mantle is is going to be Las Vegas. That's fascinating. My friend, and I think you've probably answered this question, but you'd been there, so you were able to sample and kind of get a preview as it was being built up. And I'm sure that you had a lot of intel on some of the things that they were going to do from a presentation perspective. Sitting here a couple of days back or a couple of days after the race, kind of reflecting on what you'd seen and experienced, did it exceed your expectations of what it could be yeah i could i I honestly say yes because formula one didn't do a very good job of marketing the event they kind of leveraged the same vegas stereotypes and tropes and they didn't do a very good job of marketing it right and then as many times i've been there six or eight or ten times in the last year i see the building evolve but i don't you can't see the track because it's a street circuit right so, so for me to show up this time and see the infrastructure of the street circuit was mind-blowing. To see the building was mind-blowing. The sphere, which is such an incredible building, to see that incorporated into the F1 show was great. And it's funny, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the sort of negativity peaking after the debacle that was uh, practice day. The night before that, everybody was at the circuit for the opening ceremony. And the the narrative had switched to positive on that day because it was it was incredible what they put on, uh, but then unfortunately that was undone the next day. But then it came back, you know, got back on track the day after. So uh, it was a bit up and down. And hey, listen, th- there's there's obviously first time issues. You know, there's some things that I hope that they change going forward. Um, and I'm the first person to give F1 a hard time for things, but I. I have to 
I have to commend them. The, just the simple infrastructure and logistics of doing that was was pretty amazing to witness. You you mentioned a couple of seconds ago that there are some things that you would change. You know, again, I've always said to people like if you had the ear of Stefano Domenicali, who of course is the CEO of of Liberty of well not Liberty of the FOM Group Formula One, what are some of the recommendations that you would have to him for 2024 and beyond? Yeah, so I would. It's, a, it's just a couple of things. So it. Obviously, has to be a night race, but it gets dark, you know, much sooner than uh, the midnight and and 10 p.m. And even though it's a 24-hour city, I and and you have to consider the European market even for timing, even though they don't always consider us on the west coast of uh, North America. (laughs) um, That I do think, if it was a little bit earlier, it would be a bit better because then you have when you come out, you know then you can kind of do a little bit more in terms of dinners and bars and everything else. Uh, by the time you get back, I mean, again, it's a 24 hour city, but I do think that there would be some advantages to having it just shift a little bit, uh, a little bit earlier. Also, you have the daytime uh, quite open. It's, it's quite bizarre, but it's, 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 you know, you can go to all these different activations. I do think having one or two big events, um, you know, that sort of bring people together en masse could be interesting. Uh, I don't know exactly what, but I do think that there's there's some room to play with the daytime programming. And then the other thing, obviously they'll add this next year. They couldn't do it this year, uh, but just, just a little bit more on-track action. So in terms of having a support race, uh, because when you're there and you're just watching the one race and then you're waiting for the next session to happen, it could feel a little, a little light. Um, and obviously the people that were there for FP one and two, that didn't happen. That was, that was uh, particularly light that day. And, and the support race would have been canceled as well. Um, but even just on, on qualifying day, I did think, Oh, this is kind of would be nice to see, you know, F one Academy or, or, you know, Scuderia, the uh, Ferrari challenge or, or something like that. Um you know, I obviously think that um, they need to change the ticket pricing strategy. Uh, I mean, yes, it's a premium event, but I do think that some of the pricing was a bit over the top. Um, and then I hope that the hotels go from a four-day lock-in to a three-day lock-in, which is just more sensible, uh, especially at those crazy prices. Um, but yeah, th- those would be my my recommendations. We, we, I think, all recognize and appreciate that many of the experiences that were engineered by companies for spectators coming were probably for the more well-heeled spectator. And if you scroll through your Instagram feed on the weekend, you probably all noticed a lot of celebrities that you wouldn't normally associate with F1 had made the trip from LA or London or Paris to Las Vegas to experience this race. But what was the feedback that you got from... You know what? The blue collar spectator, somebody that had made that kind of last minute flight in from Montreal or Phoenix and were sitting in the grandstands. Was there still a lot for them to experience and consume and to enjoy this weekend, even if it wasn't necessarily champagne and caviar in a terrace overlooking the track? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that that's just something that Las Vegas does well any day of the year, you know, just having so many different options. And it's where people know that they're going to spend a bit of money. You don't have to spend over the top to feel like you're uh, you know, participating and having a good time. I also feel like there was a lot of celebrities there, but it didn't feel like that was the 
meant to be the main primary purpose where we've kind of felt that at other races sometimes, uh, which has been, which has been a bit, uh, a bit much. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I've, you know, we talked about Monaco, touched on Monaco earlier. Monaco is extremely glamorous and great, but you're, you're the whole time you're aware that there's people on yachts and that they have the best, they're having a much better time and that you have no chance of getting on that yacht and the infrastructure, you know, there's a very small number of clubs and, and bars in Monaco and good luck getting into it. You know what I mean? But in, in Las Vegas, I mean, you know, all the celebrities are at Wynn. You could have been at Wynn having dinner or going to a club yourself. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, that stuff is there, but it's not, it's not in the harbor on a boat behind a gate with security and no chance of you being there. So I think you feel more a part of it in a place like that. Or even if you're not looking to be a part of it, it doesn't feel like it's so much an us and them type of situation. Um, Yeah. And listen, I I was very lucky to be in a, in a rather wonderful hospitality section. Uh, But, but one of the people on my team, she was in the grandstands and she just gave glowing reviews to the experience that she had sitting there. So, you know, we got to look at it from, from, from both angles. I think I'd like to use this as an opportunity to pivot a little bit. And I'm really eager to dive into the latest issue of Race Weekend magazine. So like I said a couple of minutes ago, I was very blessed. It showed up on my doorstep last Monday, last Tuesday. I eagerly ripped it open and it's this beautiful Vegas special, but it contains a few of my very favorite things. One, there's a very strong Lewis Hamilton presence. And two, Takashi Murakami, the famous Japanese pop culture artist who's collabed with rappers and musicians and celebrities. He was all over this publication as well. My friend, take me back a couple of steps. How did all of this come together? And how did you keep it under wraps? Because until you mentioned it a day or two before I got this issue, I had no idea you were even working on this. It was very hard to keep it under wraps because I've been <laughs> trying for eight years to do something with Lewis Hamilton. Um, so so that, just on a very personal level, was an absolute dream come true. So uh, his team at Plus 44 reached out to us um, quite a while ago saying that they wanted to look at doing a collaboration with one of the, the magazines. And they said that they had something big coming up uh, for Las Vegas. So we had started on this issue as a partnership with Win, And our idea was to look again, Circuit City's culture is our point of view. I felt that that not only Formula One was focusing just on the, the strip, but they were acting like they were the only race in town. But actually, Las Vegas has an incredible motorsports history, you know, from F1 in the 80s to the Mint 400 out in the desert to NASCAR to uh, National Karting Championships. I mean, and to Evil Knievel, right? So there's this incredible motorsport history, which we wanted to touch on. We wanted to go to other parts of town, to the Arts District. A really cool thing about Las Vegas is that you can go and to, to other tracks in the area during the day and, and, and go get some laps in yourself before coming to the race at night. So we wanted to take that broader view of Vegas as a starting point. But then when we had the chance to collaborate with Lewis Hamilton, uh, that really opened things up. So they wanted to use this as a platform to provide context for the Murakami collaboration. So I mean, he and Murakami co-wrote a letter exclusively for the magazine, and Lewis gave a lot of quotes about 
you know, racing in the United States, what that means to him, um, which we worked in his, his photographer, 13th witness, who is incredible, um, gave us some photographs that had never been published before. And then we just got, you know, Lewis's view on what it means to be racing in Las Vegas. And, and that really shaped the editorial direction you know, layered on to what we were looking at by taking a broad view at Las Vegas. So in, in the end, I mean, I, I'm quite proud of how it turned out. I think it turned out great and we're getting amazing feedback. And the the magazine was exclusively there at, um, at the Murakami Plus 44 pop-up. And I thought that that merch looked really great and the magazine fit in, fit in very nicely there. Uh, but for, in terms of what was important to us was to connect what's happening in Las Vegas to fans around the world. So we are selling the magazine as a, so usually we do a collection, as you know, a collection of four magazines, but we decided to do this and sell it as a single issue of a magazine. And it's been, it's been very well received, which we're happy about. Talk a little bit about the pop up at, at Wynn, because I saw some photos and obviously didn't get the opportunity to, to see it in person, but one, it looked very cool, partly because the plus 44 Murakami merch looked amazing. And I'm dying for that skateboard. I, I need to, I need to get that and hang that on my wall. That is amazing. But how was the pop up received? Uh, did a lot of people come through and did they, did they move a lot of merch and was the magazine well received in that setting as well? Yeah, it, it was um, really interesting for me to see because you have hotels like Caesars Palace where there's just a lot of people coming through all the time and it feels very hectic. But where Wynn is positioned on the strip and, you know, the sort of high-end nature of the place, it, it's a bit more, it, it's very popular, but it's a bit more subdued. There was just a lineup of people the entire time for the five days that the pop-up was open from from before it opened until they had to tell people it was closed it was just so busy and just to see from from hardcore fans to new fans to little kids to older people like just what he means is is really really interesting and on the third day he was to show up lewis was to show up and, oh, buddy, it, this was nuts for me to like. He is a legit rock star. That guy. I mean, it is it is unbelievable. And the the crowds of people, the crowd control that they had to do, the way everybody flipped out uh, when he got there, and just how electric it was. And and he, uh, you know, I mean, on a personal level, it was great because they captured a video of him you know, with the magazine and signing a copy to do a giveaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a great moment. And what was excellent was that the, the magazine fit so well in that environment. And I mean, obviously, look, you know, we, we collaborated with them. So uh, there was a lot of the Murakami stuff inside the magazine, but I guess just for, I mean, so that was the intention and, and good to know that we fulfilled the, the the intention. But I just think for me, just because it's been so long that I've wanted to work with him to see our product in that environment. And I honestly think that that was the best collaboration of the weekend. Um, I think I think he won that one. But to see our product in there was just like just on a personal level, 
that felt pretty good. That's amazing. So I haven't seen that footage and I got to go and track that down because that that is just amazing. Did you did you hear any feedback from anybody in Lewis's camp regarding his um impression of the magazine did he like the i'm sure he did but did he like the final product yeah i mean and again he knew what was coming because he was involved in the upfront process of it but again i mean listen even when i make a magazine i i I lay it all out with with my partner and i'm still surprised when i see it so (laughs) i I, I was i was listen when this all came about and they told me that Lewis likes our magazine anyway, Race Weekend. Um, you know, that was just to hear that was amazing, right? And so at the end of this weekend, to hear that everybody on the Plus 4-4 team was super happy uh, with the magazine. They kept asking for more throughout the weekend for us to distribute. And it was in his VIP suite and and uh, friends and family. And what was cool for us, too, is that the magazine was distributed to all 4,750 rooms inside of uh, Wynn, yeah, as part of the, right, and you can imagine who was staying there, so that was pretty cool for us to know that, um, you know, this this got some good, uh, some good readership. My friend, you've had some fantastic collaborations in the last couple of years, and I can, I can say this now because it's come to fruition, but I remember a couple of years ago, I was on a ferry, and, and you and I were talking on the phone, and you're like, we've got this opportunity maybe to work with this musician and i remember getting off the phone and saying there's no way that comes together like that that's that's too too magical and here i am and obviously our listeners can't see this but i have a framed tiesto album that has artwork designed by your publication and your team and you did a a collaboration with tiesto you did a phenomenal piece of work with daniel ricardo who has subsequently gone on to become a world-class formula one driver again and i credit that fully to the cover he had on the race weekend magazine and now I, Lewis, I do too. I do. Too. <laughs> do, you, do you see now that collaborations moving forward are going to be a big part of the culture and in the the social fabric of your publication? Mark, it, it's a great question because one of my big takeaways from Las Vegas is that collaborations are important for us, but that is the way that F1 fans really seem to engage with teams and drivers on these Grand Prix weekends, right? And I know it's not for, for everybody. Uh, and some collaborations, honestly, are, are, are kind of junk and, 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 and a bit lazy. I saw some collaborations this week that was just my logo, your logo. You know, and I, that was pretty disappointing. But then there were some that, you know, they came together in such an interesting way and people really reacted to that. And so we're looking at making... We're going to do a few, I don't want to say changes, but the Tiesto opportunity worked out so well for us. And this, so usually F1 in the 1970s, we can release that anytime and it's, it's relevant on a grander level, but this is the first time that we've been at an event and it was a big one with a product tied to that event, plus the collaborative nature of it. And so the response that that generated just light bulbs went off of my head thinking, okay, that's that's the plan. And, and I don't want to just throw myself at different collaborations just for the sake of it. But if we do six magazines next year, maybe two of them are, are, are really good collaborations. Maybe three of them are, you know, if, if the right ones come about. But I'm, 
I'm definitely will be looking for them. It's interesting that you talk about the right collaboration. And there's some brands that I'm a big fan of. And everyone that listens to the show knows I love OVO. But when OVO partners with Bathing Ape or Canada Goose or Murakami, I get excited. And plus 44 is great. But when they partnered with Takashi Murakami, I was excited. And then when they were able to weave race weekend into all of that. It was just, for me, it was just next level that you touch on sports and, and art and, and music and pop culture that all of these things to come together. And it broadens the appeal of the publication as well. So, you know, you, you talk about 4,700 copies distributed to the rooms in the Wynn Hotel. Well, even if you're not an F1 fan, you might be a pop culture fan or you might be an art fan or you might be a music. There's, there's something for everyone, right? We, and and that's that's what we try and do. And because we, we understand the shifting fan base of Formula One. So we want to have entry points. Maybe you're hardcore into racing, but maybe you also like the travel aspect of it. Maybe you like a different aspect that we can touch on in terms of the culture of F1 um, as an entry point. And then I think that's the benefit of collaborations is that it's meant to put you in front of different audiences and in that point of overlap and you bring your audience to them, they bring their audience to you. You know, one thing that you and I have talked about is that it's extraordinarily difficult to be an entrepreneur and an independent brand in F1, right? Uh, for for a variety of reasons, which we can get into. But I looked around at all these big brands doing these collaborations, and here we were, this little independent race weekend, you know, in there with 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 the biggest driver at the best hotel property. Um I thought, you know, that that's pretty great. And the reaction that that generated, you know, not just in terms of people coming to the website to buy the magazine, but also importantly from people that we have been trying to do business with, I could see that the perception of what we do shifted, you know, and also the awareness of our capabilities shifted. So um, I, I think I think that'll be a bit of a game changer for us in the in the opportunities that come next it's it's not as though the quality of your product is suddenly better it's always been world class but having now had a few of these collaborations particularly the one with lewis hamilton the king of formula one does this make mm -hmm. things easier for you moving forward does this open some doors because you're right about f1 it is a gated community and they do not want to let and talk to andretti and gm they don't want to let anybody in does this make things easier for you going forward do you think i i think so because because it was a double collaboration, right? So we collaborated with Wynn Resorts, which is an official partner to the F Las Vegas Grand Prix. So from a corporate perspective, it shows that we can be trusted and we can deliver. Uh, and we did multiple things for them. I mean, the magazine was one, but we, we did a lot of different things for them. Um, but then also we had this more creative aspect to the collaboration, which was with Plus Four Four and, and just the, as you said, the status of, of Lewis Hamilton. So... I think it kind of, from the commercial point of view and also from the creative point of view, I mean, that's just a, a, a huge endorsement for us. So yeah, I, I, I already am feeling the effects of, of having done that. And, and now I'm going to go out there and see just, just quite uh, what might be, be on offer for us. Well, my friend, hopefully this doesn't mean this is the last time you're going to be on our show, that you grow too big and you're going to be rubbing elbows with Stefano Domenicali and Total Wolf too soon. But uh, obviously... Yeah, that, that, that would be fun, but we'll never get too big for this great show. <laughs> I appreciate that, my friend. You know, I have one last question around Vegas before we move on. And it's that I'm sitting here and I'm looking you at 
you in our virtual studios and your eyes look pretty bright. I was expecting that you would have been just destroyed after that extended week in Vegas. Did you get any sleep and have you had any chance to recover since then? So it's, it's a great question. So I look at Grand Prix as business trips. So I go in with that mindset, right? So right, if right. I was to go to Vegas, you know, if you and I were to go there, just the two of us, just for the sake of it, I'd come out looking a lot worse than I do this time. Um, <laughs> but but it is a bit of a tricky one, though, because you're, you're you know, with the midnight qualifying and stuff, getting some sleep is hard. But um, no, I... I, I I was on my best behavior during this trip. I'm sure. I'm sure. I just assumed you probably had some very late nights and long, because like you said, it's a 24-hour city. My mm-hmm. friend, I, I would be remiss if I had you on the show and we didn't talk about your Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, Ten and three. Nick Nurse has them seven games over 500. Oh. James Harden is gone, addition by subtraction. Oh, How are you feeling about your Philadelphia 76ers 10 games Do you in? You remember for years, the one thing I wanted for our team was not a player, it was a coach. <laughs> and that coach was Nick Nurse. And we got him. You got and my coach, man. You got my coach. Your coach. We took him from you. And and the offense look is actually fun to watch. The defense is great. The guys actually seem like they're enjoying it. They're playing great basketball, and I absolutely love it. And as you said, addition by subtraction, get rid of James Harden so that the Clippers can lose 10 in a row or whatever they've done so far. <laughs> and and, and I just the one thing I'm just holding out for is that they, they, they chase somebody like Caruso and not somebody like uh, Zach Levine. You know, the, Zach Levine's amazing, but we don't need another superstar because Tyrese Maxey is – yeah, I mean, he's on the all-star team this year. That guy's unbelievable. So we just need we need we need a really highly competent role player to fill a role because we're looking good. And I don't want to upset anything. My friend, I, I'm sure that people that aren't already subscribed to the race weekend experience and are probably eager to learn how they can do that. One, where can they find out more about the publication? And for those that are looking for a great Christmas gift for themselves or a holiday gift for a friend or family member, how can they go and sign up for Collection 2? Uh, absolutely. So so Collection 2, uh, we're still working on that right now. Uh, but people that are just being introduced to us still need to, uh, they need to start with collection one. Uh, Absolutely. And, highly recommended. Yep. And, uh, and, and, and obviously right now, um, while we still have them to come and, and check out the Vegas issue, uh, but we have a direct to consumer model. We don't, we're not on newsstands that that business will kill you. Uh, so if, if people come to the website, raceweekend.co, uh, then that's that's where they get the uh, magazines. My friend, thank you as always for joining us again. Fingers crossed, this isn't the last last ten time we'll have you on, but uh, much appreciated, oh, especially especially in the shadow of the Las Vegas Grand Prix. For everyone listening at home, thank you for tuning in for this very special midweek Las Vegas recap with our good friend Magnus. Much appreciated. And if you don't know, we've made the move off of Twitter, off of X. We're done with that cesspool. We are on Instagram and loving it. Skidaria F1 underscore a podcast. You can find us there. Until next time, bye for now. I feel like a locomotive sipping, drinking Arizona. Mixtape just around the corner. Did a lot in California. Can't wait to drop this on you. Yeah, they gon' have fun with that. Smash like song, and my songs gon' break through like a running back.